Well, Thanksgiving is coming very, very quickly. And you really can see it everywhere. You go out there, um, the leaves are falling off the trees. Are, are, we still have a little bit of color left, but the leaves are coming down. The uh, freezers at Kroger are stocked with frozen turkeys. Black Friday ads are coming out already, and families are making plans for the big day. Well, here at Faith, um, we're getting ready for Thanksgiving by not just preparing food, but, but also preparing our hearts. We've been studying God's word to see what God um, has to tell us about being grateful, about being thankful people and giving thanks to God. See, it's one of those things we all know we should do. We know that giving thanks to God is an important thing. We want to have grateful hearts with people and with other things, but especially with God. We know that God is very deserving of our thanks, uh, deserving of our gratitude. And we know it's actually good for us as well to give thanks, to be, to be thankful people. It, it helps our hearts and helps our perspective on life. So last week we started a three-week mini-series on this idea of, of thankfulness. And we've been thinking about, okay, well, what happens when we do this? Because we know we're supposed to do it. We're talking about what does God tell us? How do we go about being, being thankful people? But what are some of the results of, of being thankful people? And last week we talked about the fact that, that the primary, I would say most important result of thanksgiving, of being thankful people, is that we worship God is that he is glorified and we are drawn closer to him. Well, in order to give us a bit more of a concrete step, because you know I like to say, okay, now what? What are we gonna do with this thing? Um, we handed out, and they were on all the seats, these seven days of thanks, and there were seven days worth of slots where you could have kind of three things to say these are the things that I am thankful for um, today. So we invited you to kind of fill those out and then actually to not only fill it out but to, and to say, hey, I'm thankful for this and that and that, but to say, I'm gonna spend some time in prayer and thanking God um, for these very specific things. So if you remember, those of you who were here last week, we actually said, you know, let's just do it now instead of saying, hey, why don't you do this this week? We said, why don't you fill out a few of those um, right now, the ones for today. Um, so I'm just kind of wondering, um, how many people may have done that? Now, there's no guilt if you didn't do that. Um, you know, it's, it's not like a thing of if you didn't do it, then obviously you're a terrible person. But it's just this idea of want to give people a chance to do it and think, well, I wonder how many people may have done that. And also I'm kind of wondering if you may have learned anything or you found anything interesting. So I'm wondering if there's anybody who may have done it once or twice or maybe a few times during the week. Um, and if not, that's okay. But I just want to see if anybody had I figured a few, good, good, a few of you had. So of those of you who, who wrote even one day beyond today or one day beyond last week, um, is there anything that you learned or anything you found interesting during that time? And I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm just wondering, if, if not, that's okay, but I'm just wondering if anybody had anything that was interesting or they noticed during the week when they were doing the, the daily or regular times of Thanksgiving. Okay, okay, yeah. Steve, what were you gonna say? Yeah, when we're, when we're thankful for things, it really does kind of change our perspective and go, wow. And how when you're really sick, you don't think of anything Anybody else, any other things that they noticed? Well, sometimes you feel like it needs to be different things each day, not necessarily. If something is that important to be so, so thankful for, it's okay if you repeat it on every day because it just needs to be in the front of your mind rather than I have to pull this out 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, the point is not to go, well, I'm gonna get this task done, but it's to go, I wanna be thankful to God and remember the things he's done. So yeah, if it's the same thing every day and you're praying to God and thanking him for it every day, then obviously it's important and that's a great thing. Anything else before we? Yeah. 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 But it is a great way to start the day. Yeah. Pam, what were you going to say? It does, it does make a difference. I found that myself, too. Um, yeah, I noticed a few things. One was that I, I ended up praying more, which was great. I mean, duh, you know. But, but it was great because it, it did draw me into prayer um, more often. Um, another thing is that I noticed that a lot of the times um, what I was thankful for tended to revolve around kind of what was going on that day. So, like, Monday... Um, you know, I was very thankful for, for veterans, for those who, um, who have served. Tuesday, I was very thankful for a warm home because it was a cold day. <laughs> Sometimes it was easy and I would get on a roll and like, like a few folks have said, like I ran out of space. I, I left my card. I can't find where it is. But you can see some days there's three things and some days there's like 12 things. You know, and you really get on this roll of, of all the great things that, that God has done and that I'm, that I'm thankful for. But I also noticed there were some days when it was harder and maybe it was later in the day, maybe I was distracted, you know, maybe I was busy or tired. Um, but sometimes there were, there were bigger reasons why it was hard to come up with things that I was thankful for because sometimes there's stress, sometimes there's, well, sometimes a lot of the time there's stress and there's difficulties in life and when we have those difficulties in life, it can be very hard to praise God and say, yeah, God, thank you for all the great things in my life when I look and there's some difficult things that are going on. Well, these days we have plenty of things to worry about, plenty of things that will stress us out. And kind of the, the biggest ones that seem to, to cover the most people, um, money, money stresses us out, health or lack thereof, um, family, family dynamics, job security, and then uncertain future. Those are the ones kind of the, the most common among almost everybody that it came up that these were very stressful things. So anxiety and stress are very common, very widespread in our world today, but the truth is they are nothing new. I mean, you look back at scripture, you look, you look at Moses. When God called Moses and said, I want you to, to go and, and to set my people free, not only was he worried about the reality of, oh my gosh, I have to go before Pharaoh, but he's like, well, I, I, I stutter, I can't even do that. Now, I think part of that was just an excuse. You know, He's like, well, I can't do it, I'm gonna do a terrible job. But he was worried about what was going to happen. You go back further than that and you have Cain and Abel where Cain killed his brother Abel when God said, you're gonna leave this place. He was worried because someone was going to kill him. He was afraid. So there's this fear, this fear of the unknown or the fear of what's probably gonna happen or what might happen. There's this anxiety. There's this fear that is in us. Now we all know that worrying and obsessing over things um, never actually makes anything better. We know that it's bad for us and actually can make us physically sick. We can bring about symptoms in ourselves, physically, emotionally, spiritually. But still, we get wrapped up and we know it's bad for us, we know the dangers of it, we know all these things, but still, we get wrapped up in fear and we're overwhelmed by it. 
And for many folks, actually, it can become a debilitating, a debilitating thing where anxiety can really become um, a detriment to their lives. Well then, so we know all this. We know that we shouldn't worry. We know it does no good. We know it's actually bad for us. But then you add the fact that if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, we're going, okay, not only that, but I know that I really, I shouldn't worry about these things. See, I know that no matter what, no matter how difficult life is, I know that, that God is with me. I know that, you know, both here and now, God is with me, and for eternity, God is with me, and I'm, I'm, I'm one of his children. I'm going to be um, with him. You know, we sing with children. He's got the whole world in his hands, you know, about, about the goodness of God, and God is, is caring for all of us. And the old gospel hymn, his eye is on the sparrow. And then we read the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew 6. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? See, now those words of Jesus should be a great encouragement to us, you know, as we think about the goodness of God and the love of God and, and, and the provision of God. But instead, we can often turn it into, well, if you're worrying, obviously, it's because you just don't have much faith in God and you don't trust him. So now, along with being worried and being stressed out and going through all these difficult things, I've also got this guilt that I'm heaping upon myself going, oh, man, I'm obviously a terrible Christian if I'm worrying about all these things. So what do we do? Well, then on top of that, then I'm frustrated because I'm going, well, but I'm praying to God and I'm asking for these certain things and he doesn't seem to be giving me these things. So I've got this guilt, I've got this frustration, I've got all these things going on. And then you come to church and then the pastor says, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to fill out three things every day that you're thankful for. Really? Really? You know, Jeff, it's easy to be thankful when things are going great. But I'm living paycheck to paycheck. My kid is sick. The whole world is going nuts and I'm barely hanging on. See, I know that God loves me. I know that God's gonna take care of me. I know that in the end, you know, I've you know, read the Bible and I've seen you know, the, the, the main point of, of revelation is that God wins, okay? I know that I'm saved, all these things. But right now, I'm feeling pretty abandoned. The hits keep coming and there's no end in sight. Sometimes counting our blessings is just plain hard. Well, one person who faced serious difficulty, one person who faced a lot of problems and challenges in his life is a person we talk about a lot in here. That's the Apostle Paul. If you remember the story of Paul, Paul was rejected. He was persecuted for his faith in Jesus. He was hunted from town to town. They would go from town to town trying to find him. He was arrested multiple times. He was beaten one time he actually barely survived being stoned, like people threw stones at him to kill him and he survived. He was shipwrecked, he was thrown in prison and eventually he was killed, all for proclaiming the gospel. And actually a lot of Paul's letters that he wrote were written from prison, either, either a prison cell or sometimes on, on house arrest, but either time Paul was imprisoned while he was writing these letters to people. And he was there waiting to find out what was going to happen to him, what was his fate. So he had this uncertainty going, I've gone through all these terrible things and I'm sitting in jail right now and I might be killed. Well, one of those letters that Paul wrote 
while he was imprisoned was the book of Philippians. And Paul wrote that book to people who were either being persecuted or were about to be persecuted and were afraid they were gonna be persecuted because they were followers of Jesus. So he's writing to people who have this uncertain future and the, un, and the certainty of their future is that they're gonna face problems. They're gonna go through heartache. Well, hear now the word of the Lord from Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Paul starts off this section here by saying don't worry about anything. Now probably the better translation or better understanding of this word is not just don't worry, but it's anxiety. Be anxious, have anxiety about nothing. And anxiety, if anybody has experienced actual anxiety, I mean, there is like, there's clinical diagnosis of people who really experience um, anxiety. It is, it is a difficult thing to say the least. You are carrying the burden of the future. You are carrying the burden of what might happen, what might go terribly wrong. Sometimes it's reasonable, sometimes it is unreasonable. And often it's for things that we have no control over. We tend to be anxious about those things that we would love to be able to control, but we simply cannot. Well, knowing, <clears throat> knowing what the people were facing, God gave them these words. Be anxious about nothing. Don't worry about anything. Uh, several years ago, um, on Mad TV, which was kind of like, you know, Saturday Night Live, like the poor man Saturday Night Live. Um, and there was, there was a sketch um, with Bob Newhart and Mo Collins, and Bob Newhart was a, um, like a therapist. So, so this patient came in, and he explained to her, you know, okay, kind of here's how I do things, and, and it's, it's, it's a pretty simple approach, but I just want to share it with you, and, you know, tell me what's going on with your life. And she shared, and she said, well, I have this fear that I'm going to be uh, buried alive in a box. And he's saying, well, you know, has that ever happened to you? You know, were you actually, you know, buried at some point? What's going on? And she said, well, no, but, but I just have this overwhelming fear. And he says, well, the good news is I think I can help you. I think there's something that I can do for you to help you, help you deal with this. And he said, you know, it's just, just a few words. Um, so she said, okay, should I write it down? Sure, yeah, go ahead and write it down. And, and he looked at her and he sat there and he said, okay, it's very simple. He said, stop it. <laughs> stop it? Yes, yeah, stop it. Why would you want to do that? Like, why would anybody want to have that much? That, that would be terrible. I wouldn't want to do that, so just stop it. She's going, well, I... I, I can't stop it. He says, well, okay, well, what, what else do you have going on? Well, she talks about an eating disorder and she talks about all these other things that are going on that are very difficult in her life and he's saying, well, just stop it. It's a comedy sketch, it's an exaggeration, but it's pretty accurate for how we tend to deal with things. When we have anxiety and we have worry, well, just stop, just stop worrying about it. It's, it's, it's bad for you, why would you want to do that? So, Paul says these words, don't worry about anything, which can feel a bit like 
just stop it. Just stop worrying. Don't worry about anything. You're, you know it doesn't do you any good, so just stop doing it. But this is no simple command. It is not simply stop doing this because it's bad for you. What we see here is a bit more of a kind of before and after kind of thing. Here's your option. You have the option of being anxious. And, and this ang- remember, the word is not just, well, you're worried a little bit, but it's this overwhelming, all-consuming, terrible, all-encompassing fear. You don't need to do that. There is another option, the old way versus the new way of life with Christ. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Be anxious about nothing, but pray about everything. See, it's not just saying, you know, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. It's really not that big of a deal. These things that are going on, you're really making them seem worse than they are. If you can just put them in their proper perspective, then you will be fine. Don't worry so much about them. Now, what he's saying is they are not inconsequential, but it's what you do with them. Pray about everything. Bring everything to God. It all matters to God. Bring it to him. Now, when I was doing youth ministry a number of years ago, um, we would do prayer requests um, at the end of our Bible study time. And so we go around the room, we write all these prayer requests down, and I remember um, these two boys in the group, and they were probably eighth grade or so, and um, they were and continue to be really big baseball fans, and particularly they're fans of the California Wow, I'm going back a few. The Anaheim Angels or LA Angels, whatever you want to call them these days. They're still the Anaheim Angels. Anyway, so they were big, they were big Angel fans, all right? So they come up with their prayer request and they're going, you know, the Angels just got this new player and he's coming into the clubhouse and I just don't know how good of an influence he's going to be on the clubhouse. So can we pray for that? I'm going, sure, why not? Um, and then some people, when you're, when you're driving through a parking lot, you know, and you're looking for a parking spot, some people, I may or may not have done this, will pray for a parking spot, Right? Lord, give me a green light. Now I can look at that and go, oh, come on, God's really got bigger things to deal with. But what is the point of prayer? Is the point of prayer to let God know things he doesn't know? Is the point of prayer to convince God to do things that are really, really important? And if I'm busying him with worrying about the, the, the angel's dugout, or if I'm, if I'm busying him with worrying about a parking spot for me, well, then he can't help children in Africa. Well, of course he can still help children in Africa. The point of prayer is not so that I can convince God and get him to do the things that I want him to do. There are other points to prayer. One of them, number one, is hello talking to God. And he loves when we come to him. Another is that when we pray to him and we talk to him, it is that ability that he has then to change us. It's not simply about I'm going to convince God to do what I want. I'm going to change the will of God. But oftentimes God is going to change the heart of Jeff. Be anxious about nothing, pray about everything. Now, I think there might be times when God is going like, you know, maybe we can pray about some other things too, and if you really wanna pray about a parking spot, then I care about you and I, and I want what's best for you. But pray about everything, bring it all to him. Let him be the one to filter it out and say, these are the things I'm going to handle and these are the things I'm going to not handle. Instead of drowning in worry, Pray about it. Now, it sounds a bit like, you know those, those signs that you'll go to, to different uh, hobby places or you'll go like to the Germantown Festival and you'll see those signs that would say, you know, 
little certain uh, Christian catchphrases, and, and one of them is let go and let God. Now, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that phrase, um, but I think that we can have, when we have that as a mantra, um, it can have unrealistic expectations. It, it kind of has this thing with it of, I'm gonna pray about it once, and then I'm just gonna leave it in God's hands, and we're good to go. Well, I don't think that's actually what God is even calling us to do, is to say, well, hey, you prayed about it once, so just move on and, and, and don't worry about it. Now, I think God is saying, you don't need to worry about it, but to say, well, you prayed about it once, so you're good to go. Steve, when, when you were sick, um, how long ago was it you got sick? Okay, so, so like several weeks ago, you prayed about it, you went, Lord, please heal me, and then you just carried on with your life, right? And Sharon, you never prayed for him again after that first time? I would imagine, right? Yeah, and that's a good thing to do. So it's not this idea that, well, I prayed about it and I just left it in God's hands and I'm not worried about it. No, we continue to come to God in prayer. Now, there are different kinds of prayer that we can have, but it is coming to God in prayer, repeatedly coming back to him. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray about it a lot. Bring it to him. Trust it to him, but keep coming back to him. But with that said, it is important to think about how am I praying when I am coming to God? Because yes, God wants me to come to him in prayer. And people will say, you know, there's no wrong way to pray. Well, I would say there's not one particular right way to pray, but there's definitely some wrong ways to pray. We can pray very selfishly. We can pray, you know, for people to, you know, bend to our will and things like that. We can have selfish prayer, but I don't think that's really what we're talking about here. I think there is such a thing as consistent yet anxious prayer. But God is guiding us to something much better than that. See, it doesn't end with... Um, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and then move on to the next. He actually carries on deeper to say, okay, so what should that look like? Listen to what comes next in Philippians 4. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. An essential part of prayer that makes a difference, an essential part of prayer that God listens to is giving thanks. Remember, that's what we're talking about from the very beginning here. We're talking about what happens when we, come to God and when we come to God with thanks, with thanksgiving, with hearts that are grateful. Thank him for what he has done. Thank him for who he is. Thank him for hearing you. There's times when we pray and it's like I come to God and I say, okay, here's all the things that I need, but it's important for us to thank God, say thank you even for hearing me right now. Now, the tough thing is to thank God knowing that he might say no. And not just do that ob obligatorily. That's not a word, is it? It is now. Um, to not just do it out of obligation, but to say, no, God, thank you for the fact that I can come to you, even if you're gonna say no, and I can come to you and I can trust you and I can say, I don't know what the answer is going to be here, but thank you for the fact that I can trust you. Thank you for the fact that you are hearing me right now and you are not disregarding my prayers, even if you say no to me. Thank you that I can trust you. I believe that when we include thanking God specifically, now not just kind of a general, hey, thanks God for everything you give to me. All right, now I'm gonna move on to the next. But when we thank God specifically for the things he has done, it will change the way that we pray. 
Because that was one other thing that I noticed. Not only did I notice when I was writing down my, my thanks and praying, not only did I notice that it made me pray more, it also made me pray differently. And it was funny, as, as, I, as I wrote down more things I was thankful for and then I was praying about them, then it reminded me of other things that I could be thankful for, which reminded me to pray more. And it was this great cycle. Sometimes it was like a vicious cycle in life where you're circling the drain and you're so frustrated with everything. But when we are thankful and in prayer, it can lead to this beautiful cycle of just back and forth of saying, wow, God, thank you for this thing. And then it reminds me to pray for this other person. And it reminds me to thank God for this other thing. And I see the good things of God and I continue to pray and I continue to seek his will. Now, if you notice, it does not say, tell God what you need. Um, thank for, oh wait, I skipped a part. Let me come back to that. All right, so the next part says this. Verse seven says, then you will experience God's peace. When we pray about everything, when we thank God for the many, many things that he has done and for the wonderful things of who he is, then we will experience the peace of God. Now you notice, it doesn't say, tell God what you need, thank him for all he has done, and he will give you everything that you want. Everything is going to be better. Now see, God's promise here is that we will experience the peace of God. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying that things would get better. There's nothing wrong when you have a very difficult situation and you're anxious and you're worried because something terrible could happen or something difficult or something uncertain could happen. There's nothing wrong with coming to God and saying, God, please handle this thing. I want this thing to happen. I want to be freed of this. There's nothing wrong with that. And there are times when God delivers us from our suffering. But the reality is with each new day, new challenges are going to come up. So if my only prayer is, God, get me through this one thing. Lord, just get me through this one day. Lord, just make sure that my child is safe today. Well, tomorrow we're gonna have the same problems. Tomorrow we're gonna have new things come up. And my life becomes nothing but living in this crisis mode of saying, God, just get me through this one day. Just get me through this one thing. God, deliver me from what is going on here. One of the greatest gifts that we can receive is experiencing the peace of God in the midst of the storm. One of the difficulties that I've faced at different times in life is, you know, we, we want to bring our concerns to God. We're anxious, we're worried about the future, we're worried about what's gonna happen. And, and we say, well, I'm gonna come to God and I know that God can fix this thing. I trust that God is sovereign, that God is omnipotent, God is all-powerful, God is all-knowing, God is all these things. God loves me dearly and wants what is best for me and wants these great things for me. But the problem is, God did not promise that he is always going to give me what I want or what I think is best for me. What God promised was, I'm gonna be with you and I'm gonna give you peace. Now, for a while there, it's been this, this thing for me saying like, well, okay, I'm still stressed out, because God made no promise that he was going to give me X, Y, and Z. He just promised he was gonna be with me. Do you see the flaw in that? My flaw is saying, here's what I'm saying to God. Your presence is not enough. Okay, I'm pointing the finger at me on this one because I've felt this, and this isn't something I felt a long time ago. I'm listening to the promises of God, I'm trusting in the promises of God, but the promise of God is he's going to be with me and he's going to give me peace. But I'm saying, God, that's not enough. God, I want all these other things too. 
And he's been calling me out on that. Because what I need, what I really truly need is the peace of God. Now I still ask him for the things that I want and the things that I think that I need and the things that I think are best and I need to trust him in that but I also need to find peace in that. In the midst of the storm, I can pray, God, thank you for being with me in this storm. Thank you for the fact that you were with me in the past and thank you for the fact that you'll be with me tomorrow in the new storms of life. Well, God's word goes on from there. It is peace which exceeds anything we can understand. Another way of putting it is the peace of God which transcends all understanding. It is peace that is simply illogical by human standards. You shouldn't be at peace when things appear to be spinning out of control, but that is what God is telling us, is I will be your peace, I am your peace in the middle of those storms. I will be with you. One other person who experienced suffering, and you might even say anxiety a few moments, was Jesus himself. Matthew 26, 37 through 39. So you have Jesus, it's, it's the, the night of the Last Supper, the night that he was going to be arrested. Jesus Matthew 26, 37 to 39, Jesus took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed down with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Jesus cried out in agony, knowing what was coming. But he trusted God. And he lived a life of gratitude. If you look up the word thanks, a number of the times when it talks about thanks, it is Jesus giving thanks to his Father. Well, later on, soon after this happened, Jesus was arrested. And he was brought up on trial multiple times. And when he was on trial, you know what the people did? The people were lying about him. The people were beating him, the people were slapping him, the people were spitting in his face, he was abandoned, he was alone, yet he was at peace because he trusted his father even when he couldn't see him. Well, the final part of this passage says that his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So I wanna show you an image, okay? An image of a swimming pool. All right, so, so imagine um, this swimming pool, but instead of this beautiful, nice, clear, blue, pretty swimming pool, I want you to imagine a different swimming pool, one that is infested and nasty. Let's see the next picture. Yeah, okay, so picture that pool, all right? Now, if you look at that picture at the back there, um, before you get to the basketball court, what do you see? There's a fence, right? So you're gonna have a fence around a pool, whether it's a good pool or a bad pool, whether it's a clean pool or a dirty pool. What is the fence supposed to do? Protect, right? So that children don't go falling in, things like that. It is to make sure that people do not fall into that pool and drown. And with this one, it is not only so you don't fall in the pool and drown, it is because that pool is disgusting and that pool is gross. Well, we have these pools of worry and anxiety in our lives. We know that going in that pool is a really bad idea. But you know what, I went on YouTube and I found these guys who made videos about jumping into pools like that. Because it's what we tend to do, right? Now this was, I mean, it was 
Sorry, Bart, but it was guys who were like 20 years old, you know, like, like dudes who were like, thought they were being funny, and they'd jump in these disgusting pools. Um, and there was a pattern there, it was kind of interesting. Um, but we have these pools, and we kind of circle these pools in our lives, and we know that it is bad for us to go into that pool of anxiety, that pool that is terrible for us. That pool is going to make you sick if you go inside of that pool. It is nasty, it is gross, there's nothing good that comes out of it. And it was interesting watching these guys as their friends were laughing at them. But this one guy jumped into the pool and he was trying to walk out and he kept sliding back into the pool and sliding back into the pool and sliding back into the pool. And it's this amazing analogy of what tends to happen with worry and anxiety. We try and get out of that pool of worry and anxiety, but we just keep slipping and falling right back into us and it's making us worse and it's hurting each time we go in there but it's so hard to get out. But God has offered us this fence around this pool. Now the reality is you can climb up and over that fence. God can give you his peace. He can say, I am with you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are my beloved. You do not need to worry. You just need to keep coming to me. But still we're circling around it. We can climb right up and over that fence and back into that pool. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Don't dive back into the infected waters of anxiety. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which will guard your hearts and minds. Recently, I heard um, a, a word that was new to me, um, catastrophizing. You can kind of probably figure out what catastrophizing is. It, it is looking at, at the reality of what's going on, the challenges of life, and it is making it the worst case possible scenario. Everything is like an 11 on the scale of one to 10. Imagining the worst possible outcome. Not only could it happen, but it is probably going to happen. It's ultimate anxiety, it is this infested pool. The obvious problem of anxiety is the damage that it does to us. It does physical, it does emotional, it does spiritual damage to us as we take our eyes off of Jesus and get overwhelmed by, by worry. But there are other consequences too. It strains our relationships with others and with God. It hurts our ability to share the gospel. But again, the answer is not if you worry about things, just stop because Christians shouldn't do that. Instead, God has offered us a better way. Because reality is we are going to face difficulties. We're going to face problems that are very hard. We're going to, to face things that will bring about anxiety. So what are we going to do? Well, option one is to have anxiety, to stress, to worry, to freak out, to jump back into that pool. Option two, we'll just stop it. You're a Christian, so stop worrying and trust God. But there is a third way. Thankful prayer. So that the peace of God will be with us, will guide us, will protect us, will guard our hearts. It brings our eyes back to Jesus Christ. It brings our eyes back to the goodness of God, to what God is doing in our lives, to our life, to our hope, even in the midst of the storm. Well, like last week, I want to invite you again to 
take one of these sheets and it's got new dates on there. And I want to encourage you again to do that this week, whether it is every day, whether it is once or twice, um, but to do it actually today before you, before you leave this room to come up with two, maybe even three things for today, Sunday, November 17th, things that you are thankful for. So if you remember when you, last week when I talked about this, this thing and the idea of this, I mean, it's not a new idea, but the encouragement to do this came from a friend of mine who is in prison right now in California and he does this every day. He, he writes down five things that he's thankful for. And one of the things that he shared with me was he said, you know, the other day I wrote down to God that I was thankful for my really annoying neighbor. And I went, okay, why were you thankful for your annoying neighbor? He said, well, I was thankful for my annoying neighbor because it caused me to step back and go, I'm really being a jerk right now. And it was an opportunity for him to say, here's an area where I can grow. Because you know what his neighbor did that was really annoying? He said, hey, Ryan, what's up? How you doing? I mean, that was it. But that's sometimes that's all that it takes for us is to be annoyed with somebody. So we can thank God for the difficult things in life for annoying people because that is an opportunity for me to look in the mirror and go, that's not the kind of person that God wants me to be. That's not the kind of person that I want to be. It is an opportunity to grow. So there are many things you can come up with, things that you can be thankful for. And actually... Okay, this is kind of funny. Um, so... So I'm just talking about things that, that, that are not great that I'm thankful for, but I wanna share with you two things that I am thankful for that are, that are very good about today. Today I am very thankful that we had, we had our children's moment, we had our stewardship, and we had our, our, our time of congregational prayers, and I loved how John and Sharon did both of those, and I was just so drawn in, so I am appreciative, I am thankful for both of you and how you did that, and so many other people and what you do, but especially for you guys today, I am really thankful for that, so. Praise be to God for that. So I do want to encourage us. What are some ways that I can be thankful? How can I even be thankful for difficult things in life? How can I even be thankful, not in spite of uncertainty, but even for uncertainty? And that is hard to, to say, Lord, I'm thankful for the fact that in this moment of uncertainty, I can trust you. I'm thankful for the reminder that, that, you know what, there's been other times in my life that were uncertain. There's been other times in my life when I wasn't sure what was gonna happen. But you came through and you were with me and you were my peace in the storm. So I thank you, God, for being my peace in the storm. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being our peace. We thank you for being our rock. We thank you for being our life. Lord, help us to thank you every day, to worship you, to glorify you every single day. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.